This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. One-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go! Over the shoulder, catch by Kirk in the end zone for a touchdown! Oh! Oh, baby, how's that feel? Here's Craig Grealoux, Mike Jurecki, and 13-year NFL veteran Drew Stanton. Well, the numbers are in, gentlemen. Super Bowl 56, the most watched show in five years, over 120 million people. And like me, all disappointed in the outcome, Drew. <laughs> Probably not you, though. No, I mean, I was trying... I was trying to figure out a way because everybody asked me who I was cheering for, and I was like, well, I want to see Matthew win. I believe two weeks ago when we got your thoughts, you mentioned the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, no, and then Joe Burrow kept talking. (laughs) So that was where it fell apart for me, unfortunately, about – you know, has diamonds and how much money he makes and the suits that he wears. But, no, he he had a tremendous year, right? You look at what he was able to accomplish. But, yes, I was biased uh, because of Matthew Stafford, and I'm so proud uh, to see him be able to hoist that trophy up knowing the humble beginnings that he had and, and the work behind the scenes and the progress that he had throughout the entire course of his career to have it culminate in the highest honor that you can achieve, right? Like, he is a Super Bowl champion forever. And uh, – it could not happen to a better human being and a better person because he was in Detroit for a decade and not many people knew who he was. And now people are talking about Hall of Fame and all this other stuff. And, you know, numbers are what they are. But as far as the person, there is not anybody more deserving than him um, to be able to be a part of that, you know, magical type of a run. We tip our cap to the Los Angeles Rams, MJ. Not happy about that, but Drew brings up stories and players that you're happy for. Matthew Stafford and Aaron Donald and Andrew Whitworth. Guys that have put in the work and now their careers had that proverbial cherry on top. It doesn't make them any better, but in the case of Stafford, he's viewed differently. I don't know if Aaron Donald is viewed any differently, but now that Lombardi Trophy is within the NFC West. Well, the fact is he went 13 years without winning a playoff game, and, and obviously, you know, some of those games came down to the wire. Um, at the same time, though, I mean, if you look at the guys that made the plays in that game, Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup, and we always talk about, well, they don't value draft picks. Well, they got it right. And and then going out and giving out draft picks for Matthew Stafford, could be happy for him because nobody had more pressure on him, and he was – he was, I mean, besides throwing a couple picks, um, his fourth quarter game in the fourth quarter, he was dynamic. Like, and you know, they lose Odell, and then all of a sudden, you know, he got Cooper Cup, and you know, we can debate who should have won the MVP. Usually, they start to add about five or six minutes <laughs> left in the game, and obviously, the game ended on Aaron Donald. So either or, but uh, yeah, I, they went all in and they backed it up. By the way, Drew, you had a hand in this win. A subtle hand in this win. Because, again, I go back to our conversation two weeks ago here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. You, kind of offhanded comment about delivering something to Matthew Stafford about 
the Super Bowl schedule and leading into the Super Bowl and how to best handle that. A couple of pieces of paper that you kept from your Super Bowl run last year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I believe some credit with Matthew <laughs> Stafford accepts that trophy and all the accolades. He should thank Drew Stanton. Yeah, uh, I'm way, way down the list if I'm on there. But I figured, hey, if it was good enough for Tom Brady to do it for a two-week time span, um, you know, so much of it's time management. And that those two weeks and uh, texting with Matthew Saturday before the game of, like, those are the two longest weeks you could probably go through because all you want to do is play football. But that first week is all work, and that second week is all media stuff. And he's like, I'm so glad to be done with media. You know, there's so much hoopla and everything that's involved with it. And the people that can handle those two weeks are the team that go in and have success. And, you know, to MJ's point, Matthew looked like he was completely in control the whole game. He looked comfortable and he did have a bullseye on his back the entire year, but he's the type of person that can handle that. He can just continue to, to stare adversity in the face and persevere through it, and I'm so thrilled for him. I mean, the first interception, he throws up the ball to Van Jefferson, think he's on a safety, and, you know, Jesse Bates just makes a great play. The other interception gets tipped, and but you just keep playing. You, keep, you have amnesia as a quarterback of just, okay, let's just keep going, and that's who he is. That doesn't change whether it's the Super Bowl or, or it's a preseason game. And that's what you are really looking for to be a franchise quarterback, that difference maker, because they went all in with him. And so, again, I'm just so happy that he got that fairy tale ending. We'll dive into the particulars a little bit later on as far as what happened during that 23-20 win Rams over the Bengals. But for you, Drew, how do you watch the Super Bowl when you know you're a fan of the sport, you played it, yet on the one hand, a very good friend of yours is in the game. Are you watching from a fan standpoint, an analytical standpoint, nervous or uh, no nerves, no, no nerves, nerves. Okay. no nerves. Um, for me, uh, I just like watching the guys that I know. I want to see them do well. Uh, and Matthew, obviously, having a personal relationship, but Cooper Cup, the way he handles himself, everything he does, I, I think is just remarkable. Even afterwards, just the humility he has having children, having you know other people that are watching all of these sports, to have an iconic player like that that's, that achieved everything, the Triple Crown this year, to sit up there and say, I'm so undeserving of this. The humility, that's what I look for, as opposed to, you know, as I said earlier, Joe Burrow, sometimes you know pride comes before the fall. And I was joking with Matthew. I was like, you should get a box of cigars and send them to Joe Burrow and say, better luck next year. <laughs> so that that's how my brain thinks. But, uh, you know, I always root for guys, not teams. And so that's why whoever was going to win the Super Bowl, I would have been okay with it because Cincinnati, they've had a magical run. And they've been able to do stuff with a lot of guys on that defense that have gotten second chances and second opportunities. And, you know, was it like whatever they could second chance you or whatever whatever it was i think that it's great because you see this perseverance and so much in society today you see kids that'll tap out or they're worried about the wrong things where both of these teams they've stayed the course they believed in what they believed in because partway through the year the rams didn't have a chance and then they just kept plugging away adding these pieces but the core was intact and that core was so strong that it carried them through yeah, you know, one of the keys we talked about going into the game is, you know, we hear so much about, you know, he was sacked, what, 19 times, Joe Burrow? In the postseason. In the postseason. Seven in that game. Um, oh. they, the Rams sacked Burrow seven times, brought 26 pressures, 16 hurries, and three hits on 43 dropbacks. And he was getting rid of the ball up 2.43. <laughs> It wasn't quick enough, though, against that Rams front seven. Well, yeah, and that's the thing that you look at, right? Because 
it's what side of the fence do you want to go on? Do you want to get a Jamar Chase where I, if I'm a quarterback and we talked about on the show leading into it, yeah, because you put the ball in his hands like he did even against Jalen Ramsey. He can make plays. He can do all these things. He's a difference maker. But then you go, well, it'd really be nice to have Panay Sewell there blocking for me. So it's how do you want to do that? Because it's so hard at either position, as we'll talk about in free agency of what the Cardinals are looking for. These positions of need that everybody wants, whether it's offensive linemen or dynamic playmakers as wide receiver, they don't come along very often. So you just got to you know, stick to the course that you're going on. And Jamar Chase is a pretty one to, uh, to continue on with. Joe Burrow between the regular season and postseason, sacked 70 times. I went back, Drew, and looked at your career. 38 times you were sacked in your career. 38. Over the course of your career, I think the single season high was 11 times. But 70 times in one season. You talk about sustainability. Oh, yeah. No, those, those add up. I mean, he's going to look at the the career course map of the Carson Wentz's that can't stay healthy now because he's so beat up and he's taking these extra hits or doing all these other things versus guys like they make fun of the Mannings and we talked about it here before but they're avoiding hits Tom Brady same thing Aaron Rodgers doesn't take these hits he knows when he has to stand in there and make these plays but the you know you can only take so much he's coming off of injury even Patrick Mahomes, like it was great to see him finish the year healthy because in the previous years he's had he's been doing that. So you really want to try and limit those number of hits for the sustainability of your franchise quarterback. And the best way to do that, you know, is obviously get the protection that you need. But it's hard. Brought up the ratings at the beginning here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. They have the top metered markets for Super Bowl Fifty Six and. No surprise, the Cincinnati market, number one. But the L.A. market didn't even finish in the top ten as far as what people were doing on Sunday. It's in your own backyard, MJ, and you're not paying attention to the game. Next year, it's at State Farm Stadium, I would think, and hopefully the Cardinals are playing in that game, but the state of Arizona is watching that game in your own backyard, not the case in Los Angeles. Well, I mean, the tickets aren't, um, you know, they're not cheap. Um, even the players got to pay for them. And, you know, obviously at a certain point you can't take care of everyone. But I'm sure there are a lot of people watching. You know, you may have a sports bar, and I don't know if they t- uh, calculate that. And, you, you know, plus you got 70,000 fans there. Maybe there's, what, 40,000 Rams or 40,000 Cincinnati fans. It's interesting. Columbus was in there. Kansas. Detroit was number two. There's the Matthew Stafford, Stafford connection. Oh, yeah. Still- <laughs> yeah. Yep. Boston, obviously, you know, just hoping their Patriots can get there sometime. <laughs> Jacksonville was 10th, which surprised me. Boston came in at number eight, Philadelphia number nine. So it's just a little interesting thing. And, and everyone makes fun of the L.A. market because it's, you know, you arrive late, leave early. And but and then how many shots we saw during the course of the game, Celebrity Rose. Like, it was watching a Los Angeles Lakers game. It's like, where have all these people been all season long or all, you know, the last couple of seasons? All of a sudden, everyone shows up when there's a winner in town. Yeah, well, I mean, and they won. They put on a show, and and there's so much going on in L.A. that uh, sometimes even the Super Bowl can't draw the crowds in. But, you know, I thought it was a great football game. It was as advertised with both teams, and we got pretty much what we thought we were going to get. I mean, it, Everything went according to plan. 
they didn't call a single penalty until that last drive. And I even thought the one, you know, the obviously the Cooper Cup holding, that one was a little ticky-tacky. But the second down pass where Matthew tried to check it down, I was like, that was much more of a penalty. But I guess Cooper Cup's more likely to get that call. But, it, you know, all in all, it was a phenomenal Super Bowl. I mean, everybody's got their opinion on the halftime show, uh, of, of course. But, you know, it was a great way to end the football season for this year and now everybody gets a clean slate and we can start talking about off season we can talk about everybody else and that's the beauty of this sport is that it has become a year-round talking point yeah i'm glad you brought up the officiating because you know normally when you get to this stage you want to let those guys play and you know whether it was a false start or a pass interference call you're not going to get everything and some of that's not uh, reviewable but I like the fact that they swallowed the uh, the whistle and didn't throw the flags. Let these guys play. And if you you know they say, well, if it's a holding penalty in the first quarter, you got to call in the fourth. But going back to the even conference championship games, the penalties were down. And, and again, yeah, sometimes it's going to be reviewed whether it's a turnover or a touchdown, and it's a booth review. It slows the game down a little bit. But here, I thought they, they kept it going, and you really didn't have to say, well it's rigged or some team benefited from a call, I think was pretty even across the board. Peter King had uh, interesting notes in his football morning in football uh, morning in America column on Monday. Four penalties in the first 58 minutes. Four in the last two minutes. And everyone's focusing on those last couple against the Cincinnati Bengals. There was one that was offsetting, and then there was the Logan Wilson penalty that seemed to be ticky-tack, but you go back earlier in the ball game, MJ, and maybe the Bengals benefited from a face mask penalty that wasn't called, and Jalen Ramsey gets his head turned, and all of a sudden you got a big play. So uh, maybe it evens out, but I do, I do to your point as far as how the officials handled the postseason, let the players dictate how this game is played and performed. The outcome. And now, still photos are misleading sometimes, but it looked like Aaron Donald could have been offsides a little bit when he was able to get to uh, – to Burrow, obviously, to end the game. But, uh, again, yeah. usually he lines up and he's kind of he's kind of like trying to split a double team. But the still photo shows that he's his helmet and shoulder pads are over the line. Well, can't go back and replay. No, he made the play. <laughs> no. They could have blocked him, right? It's just parts of the human elements of the game that we like to call football. And how the Rams were able to do it and how close the Bengals were able to pull off the upsets. We'll get into that next here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Listen to your favorite shows at your convenience, like the Dave Patch Podcast, Cardinals Underground, Cardinals Cover 2, The Big Red Rage, and, of course, this show, the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. Craig Rayalu, Drew Stanton, and Mike Jarecki talking with you here on Tuesday as we do all year round right here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Stafford is under center. The 15th play of this drive coming up. Down by four. Stafford, receivers in tight. He gets the snap. He cocks his arm. He throws a pass. Caught with the leap. Down high. Far side of the end zone. Touchdown. Up. The Rams have taken the lead. The Rams have taken the lead. 125 to go. Heavily covered. Cup left and trapped the ball against his belt buckle. L.A. leads it by two, 125 to go from the 49 of the Rams. 
Fourth and one, shotgun snap low, picks it up, left tackle block. Here comes Donald, and he spins Burrow around, who then tried to throw it away. The Rams celebrating on the near side. On downs, it goes to L.A., and the defense stands tough. Cooper Cup with the game-winning touchdown catch. Aaron Donald with the game-deciding play, back-to-back play, stopping Samaji Pirine on third and one, then getting into the backfield and forcing Joe Burrow to throw away a fourth and one. Kevin Harlan on Westwood one as we talk Super Bowl 56. The Rams beat the Bengals 23-20. to Craig Ray, Lou, Drew Stanton, and Mike Jarecki here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seats. All right, Drew, I think I know where you'll go with this, but I'll ask anyway. More impressed with that... Final drive, 15 plays, 79 yards, or what Aaron Donald accomplished. Not just those final two plays, but the entire game. Seven quarterback pressures, three quarterback hits, two sacks, two tackles for loss, four tackles overall. I mean, yeah, Aaron Donald. (laughs) I think that if you look at that and what was most surprising to me, or I guess disappointing, and again, I'm a fan at this point, the third and one call in the shotgun to try well, and do that. Well, it was Ryan instead of exactly. Joe Mixon, too. And I'm sitting well, there, and I... I'm shaking my head. I was like, why are in the gun right now? And then all of a sudden, like, it's like uh, the other thing that just is maddening to me, is, and it happens throughout the course of the game, is like it's third and two, and they're an empty. There's zero element of a run. There's any, like, and both teams are doing this. And I'm like, you guys have really good running backs. And, like, getting under center, it's a lost art to be able to be all these things. So, of course, Aaron Donald's stance is completely different on third and one. He can shoot a gap. He can do all of these things. So it wasn't necessarily the fourth and one call that was like, oh, man, that wasn't a great call because it was long at that point when they lost the yards. It might have even been fourth and two. But, I mean, I don't want to give Aaron Donald a chance to do anything. And all of that, that so that third and one call was the one that I was like, man, they, they are not in a good position to do this right here because they put themselves behind the eight ball knowing that they had to try to go down there to at least get a field goal. So Aaron Donald's performance from start to finish, as we all predicted and knew and, and you know, as we've all seen in this division, he has that kind of capability. He's a defensive lineman that's one player of the year multiple times. He can take over a game. And as we were talking about, they were letting the guys play. And his compete level is as high as anybody ever to play this game. And the fourth quarter game on the line, that is a guy that I'm running away from. I'm running outside zone on third and one away from him. I don't care. According to Zach Taylor, they've been doing it all year where in certain situations on third down, they'll take Joe Mixon out and bring in prior line. Um, to me, you got to know down and distance. Obviously, you know, both backs are very capable of, of getting a couple of yards, but I guess they've been doing that the entire season. Well, it may have worked in the regular season, didn't work on Super Bowl Sunday as Aaron Donald comes up with the stop back-to-back plays. In fact, Sean McVay, NFL Films, caught the Rams head coach. He was wired up, actually predicted Aaron Donald sealing that win for the Rams. Less than a yard to gain on fourth down with 43 seconds remaining. Hey, what else could you want? What else could you want? Right now, let's go. Let's go. Hey, Aaron, this is the moment. Right now. For the whole championship right here. Aaron Donald's going to make a play. Burrow to throw for it. He's hit. He flings it away. Yeah! Yeah! 
does it in the biggest moment of Super Bowl 56. Aaron! Aaron! Hey! Come here! Hey, how you we're world champs. Great job. We're world champs. Yes, sir. We're world champs. You would make that play. We're world champs. You would make that play. Sean McVay wired up on Super Bowl Sunday NFL films capturing that moment. And I'll say this, Drew. The only good thing that would come from the Rams winning this game is if Aaron Donald does retire as Rodney Harrison pointed out pregame, which caused social media to go into an uproar, and all of a sudden postgame, Donald gets asked repeatedly about his future, would not give an inkling one way or the other. But if Donald steps away because he has a Super Bowl, then you know what? Congratulations, Los Angeles Rams. Number 99 <laughs> is out of the division, out of the conference, out of the league. Yeah, I'd be more concerned, though, with Sean McVay and clairvoyant because he knew that was going to happen, apparently. Uh Yes, I think Aaron Donald leaving this division, leaving football, everybody except for the Los Angeles Rams would welcome that. Uh, And he's had a tremendous career. And uh, we were talking about it before because everybody's asking about Tom Brady and retirement and all that stuff. Will we see these records be broken? There's a different breed of athlete coming in now, right? There's a different type of mentality to play this game. And there's a lot of reasons why we're motivated to play this game. The longevity that we saw for decades and the way the game was played, it's changing. It's different. I mean, even Sean McVay is talking about maybe taking time away because you realize uh, this is a game. This is what we do. And you can get wrapped up in it. And you have to be all in. To be successful, you have to be all in to do this. But there's other things. Family, you know, marriage, all of this that, that you want to take into consideration because you know how much it takes to be able to be really good at your craft. And to be, you know, I mean, we saw it with Larry. Unfortunately, you know, Larry, my son was asking me, he's like, when's Larry going to file for retirement, Dad? And I go, I don't, I don't know if he ever will. I don't think he's worried about the, the 401k package uh, like we are, son. But at the same time, you know, like these guys that are the elite of the elite of the elite, right? Like when they feel like they can't put the time and effort into it or their bodies, like whatever the reason is, they have earned the right to walk away on their own accord. And Aaron Donald has done that in spades. And he would be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, Now, Les Seeds said, I'm not buying it. He's going to get bored. (laughs) Of course he's not. He's like, please, (laughs) though, Aaron. He said, what's he going to do? He's going to get bored. Yeah. Now, Obviously, he works out uh, like a lot of guys do in the offseason to get ready for a rigorous of a you know, 20, 22 game schedule for him. But you just wonder how many injuries he's had over the years where you know, you got to worry about your, your mental and obviously you have family. Yeah, I, I just think for him, again, to play at the highest level that he expects of himself, like maybe, you know, he was saying, when I win a Super Bowl, I'll be done. Like he's accomplished every individual accolade you could ever want at that position. He's held in the highest regard, all of these things. And then to go win the ultimate prize in a team sport like this is, what's there's nothing left to prove. I mean, that's why I think that Tom Brady in the same facet was like, I won a Super Bowl apart from Bill Belichick. I've proven that I can stand alone with a new team in a new era. And so then it's time to walk away. And everybody, again, they have all of their own feelings on when the time is right for them. And hopefully people will respect that with Aaron, and then he'll make the right decision. Very well could have been named MVP. He was not. It went to Cooper Cup, who finished with eight catches for 92 yards and two touchdowns. But on that final drive, and remember, no OBJ, Van Jefferson, maybe with other things on his mind. Congratulations to him and his family on the birth of their second child. And congratulations to Cardinals wide receivers coach Sean Jefferson, a uh, grandfather two times over now. But on that final drive, Cup, 
four catches for 39 yards, ran seven yards to convert a fourth and one. He was targeted seven times on that drive. We know, opponents know, Drew, that Stafford's going to look for Cooper Cup, yet he continues to get open. And I think it's a credit to not only the quarterback, but the wide receiver as well, running routes and then selling, blocking, and then flaring out as a wide receiver. But even when you know what the other team's going to do, you still have to stop it. And we've seen not only the Bengals, but the 49ers, the Buccaneers could not stop Cooper Cup in the playoffs. I mean, it's the deadliest weapon you can have is an intelligent wide receiver that can be on the same page with you, that can identify coverages and pressures and all of these things because they try to change coverage up. They were doing different things. They were trying to double him. They were trying to in and out him, and he's hooking up, and the ball's on him so fast that he before they can do anything. Okay, so then you go to a three-deep zone, and Matthew does a tremendous job of sitting in the pocket, and they just get this in, route right in behind those first level of defenders, Then the linebacker has no idea. And Cooper's exactly where he's supposed to be, when he's supposed to be there, and Matthew knows that, can trust that. I mean, it was a clinic of what was going on, and then again, they get down on the goal line, they get in the red zone, and Matthew just clicks, you know, just hand signals, or probably doesn't even need a hand signal with Cooper. They know it's cover zero, it's a loaded box, there's no help. He does such a, an amazing job of being patient to attack his leverage, go inside, and then Matthew can – he's got a, a two-way go that, okay, if Cooper beats him to the back of the pylon, he can put the ball there. If he doesn't, he feels him playing over the top. He can back shoulder like he did. So, I mean, those guys that have the body control, all of those things that you can marry up together in crunch time and have the presence to do it and the wherewithal to overcome all of the moving pieces, it was so impressive. I mean, I know – people are making a lot to do about Matthew and his performance and it was remarkable but Cooper Cup is the reason why that team won Aaron Donald is the reason why that team won yeah and we talked about it earlier two draft picks now according to pro football focus he had the highest graded receiver 92-8 this season he hauled in 178 passes for 200 or 2,425 yards 22 touchdowns over the regular season in playoffs wow and everyone knows they're trying to throw it to him, right? Like right. that's the thing. It's not like he's some like well kept secret around what's going on, but because he has the freedom and these option routes, he's always going to make the right choice. He's always going to be at the right depth of where he needs to be. He's always going to do all these things, and he's unselfish. He's not one of those guys that's sitting there worried about it because he knows when his plays come, he's going to make the most of it. That final drive, all of a sudden, you could just see him start building momentum and building momentum, and, and you know, much like we saw with Larry in the course of his career here, you get the ball in his hand and everybody else there's this belief system that just elevates of everybody on the team because of it and then you go score and then you flip it over and say all right all right Aaron go win the game for us of course it also uh, nice to have a quarterback who can throw passes without looking at the wide receiver yeah that I mean, end zone look that yeah. has kind of caused a lot of not controversy it caused a lot of attention as far as on that final drive Stafford's looking to the sideline and all of a sudden throws and there's Cooper Cup coming across the middle and wide open exactly and that's that's the maturity level of what a quarterback can do that understands coverages they can understand time and space and where guys are supposed to be but also a trust factor right like in a zone concept or a zone defense that you're going against he knows where his windows are he's trying to open windows with his eyes and he can do that because of the his head everywhere though his lower body isn't in position to make the throw of where he wants to go and then it's just a matter of getting his heads there and completing it but he's done that throw so many times i mean i've seen him do that numerous times and there's a lot of guys in this league that have that kind of capability um through film study through understanding the offense and the magnitude of what's going 
going on, whether it's down in distance, being able to put the ball exactly where he wants to. But he he is also one of the few people that can do it without looking. <laughs> Stafford finished 26 of 40 for 283 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, a couple of sacks. That first interception, though, might have been just one of those, hey, it's third and long, we're going to punt anyway, let me just kind of see what happens, and it didn't work. But the uh, second one, Fortunately for the Rams, Bengals only able to convert a field goal off, huge. Yeah. off that second turnover. So Rams beat the Bengals 23-20, to 20, overcoming a seven-point deficit midway through the third quarter. And, yes, the Lombardi Trophy is inside the NFC West, the best division in football. But what's next? As we now officially turn the page, all 32 teams turn the page and look towards 2022. We have hit halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. When we come back, we continue talking the NFC West and the Cardinals spots within the division. That's all straight ahead here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. In the victory formation, Stafford gets the snap and goes to a knee. The benches are going to empty. And the Rams are going to win it with a script right out of Hollywood. The star-studded Los Angeles Rams are a hit. They have won Super Bowl 56 in dramatic come-from-behind fashion. Wow. How it all finished on Super Bowl Sunday. Kevin Harlan on Westwood 1, the final call. Rams beat the Bengals. And, yes, they are Super Bowl champions. Now, we get to ask everyone here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek, get your seats in a seat. They've had a day, a couple of days to celebrate. But, uh, MJ, now, moving forward, the Los Angeles Rams, the team to beat, not only in the entire league, but certainly in the NFC and the NFC West. There could be a lot of changes, though, for Los Angeles, beginning with what will likely happen later this week, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, which has long been reported their oc kevin o'connell's expected to become the new vikings head coach nothing announced officially yet but perhaps later in the week so there's one piece and then perhaps maybe aaron donald and maybe even the head coach himself sean mcveigh stepping away yeah and then you throw on andrew whitworth i mean this is i mean guy's 40 years old and this is the way you kind of walk off your career he was the walter payton man of the year so yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see now. You know, when it comes to O'Connell, he's never called plays, but obviously he told the Vikings everything they wanted to hear when it comes to Kirk Cousins, and, you know, Kirk Cousins will be at least the quarterback for next year. But, you know, Sean McVay's putting a lot of guys in the NFL as head coaches, and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But um, they called a press conference for Thursday, but if McVay taps out, i got to think that you, O'Connell would stay in, in Los Angeles. Again, we'll just have to wait and see. Well, the counterpart across the field, Zach Taylor, on that Sean McVay coaching tree, along with Matt LaFleur, Brandon Staley. So, what's he, 36 years old, the youngest head coach to win a Super Bowl, and uh, already with uh, – several tree branches on his coaching tree but the idea of repeating drew it gets brought up 
every single year when that team wins. Obviously, last year, Tampa Bay goes all in, bringing everyone back. Chose not to bring you back, and maybe that's why the Buccaneers did not repeat <laughs> here this past season <laughs> or gain their loss. But the idea of a team repeating, and it's been a long, long time since anyone's been able to do that. Well, I, I was waiting for the phone to ring week 17, uh, and it never did. So I went about my business and showed up to work with you guys. So Appreciate that. Um, but anyways, I yeah, it's extremely difficult to repeat because each year is so different. Um, some would say that the home team has the advantage for the Super Bowl. So, Craig, you can get excited now. We can start the chatter. Tampa Bay, Bay won in Tampa Bay. Los Angeles won. And we all know where next year it is. So I like your thinking. we'll start the train right now. But repeating with that team, it's going to look completely different. I mean, you see Robert Woods and them losing him. Um, was extremely difficult. His recovery will be important. And, again, you just try and mix and match pieces. They've got to extend Matthew. They've got so many things that they can do. But, again, the core of what they have in place is special. It would say it's trending in in the right direction. But there's plenty of teams that are going to go out and make a lot of different moves that were close. But, again, we'll start to talk now. Let's talk in December. Yeah. And it's late December, especially when you talk about the Arizona Cardinals and how they perhaps finish 2022. The other team that reached the NFC Championship game, MJ, the 49ers, they also are losing their offensive coordinator. Mike McDaniel is the new Dolphins head coach. And then the question is, all right, what do you do at the quarterback position? Is Trey Lance ready or Jimmy Garoppolo, who is still under contract and advance this team to the Super Bowl, to another NFC Championship game? Does he get another opportunity, although his – season-ending post-press uh, conference made it seem like he was walking out the door. Yeah, I think there's going to be a market out there for him, uh, whether it's Pittsburgh or possibly uh, Tampa Bay. I know maybe don't, he doesn't throw the ball down the field like they like, but um, you know, according to Joe Montana, they should keep him. They don't think Trey Lance is ready. Uh, we know it's all predicated on their running game. They do have weapons on the outside, and obviously they have a really good front four and defense, so um, only John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan would know that, but I think they're going to get some draft capital for trading um, Jimmy Garoppolo. Lance obviously has the skill set that every team is looking for as far as the arm and then the scrambling ability. Garoppolo doesn't have that, at least not to the level of a Trey Lance, but there's more to that position than just a skill set. And where do you fall on that, Drew, as far as looking from afar at what the 49ers were able to accomplish this season, knowing the Cardinals did face both quarterbacks this season? Yeah, it's extremely difficult. You see the two game plans that were implemented when we played against them. Trey Lance is the new wave of a quarterback that is added dynamic with his run, with his running ability. So it, they're in a tough spot. They traded up. They gave up a bunch of draft capital to go get Trey Lance with that third pick. They did all these things saying that, hey, Jimmy isn't our guy moving forward. So I, I would think that they would trade him. I mean, all indications are that they would get something in return because – you don't want to walk into next season and then all there's this weird feeling out period of, well, yeah, when's Trey going to take over or what's it going to be? I would think that they need to sever the ties with Jimmy and say, hey, we really appreciate everything you did. Trey is our guy moving forward because there can only be one voice in that locker room, one sounding board. Guys have to get used to that. They have to gravitate towards that. They've got to buy in, and that offense is going to have to change. Like we said, you're going to see a lot more because of his athletic ability with the run game. 
but it's got to be balanced out. You don't want to hear all of a sudden get done with their season next year and they've got 70 sacks. I mean, it'd be good for us as Cardinals sure. to, to see that. But from the standpoint of him taking those steps, being the guy starting now is vital for him to be able to grow, and you're going to take some lumps. You're going to maybe take a step back, but hopefully take a few steps forward at the same time because of how you want to grow this team over the course of the next couple of years. On the quarterback conversation, shifting gears to the Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson. A year ago, I believe it was maybe late February, early March, talk of, hey, I'm okay, but if you wanted to trade, here are four <laughs> teams I would agree to be traded to. Now, another off season of perhaps some question where the Seahawks and Russell Wilson stand. Yeah, well, I think it's interesting because this is the first time they've been at the bottom. Right, they have not been at the bottom. The the Pete Carroll Russell Wilson duo have not been at the bottom of the of this division. Though it's very competitive and it's not going away, they've got to take an honest assessment because they got their butts whipped for the majority of the year in this division. Um, besides, you know, a couple games here or there. At that in that regard, though. What what is going to change? What's going to look different? And I wouldn't be shocked to see Russell because you've seen some quarterbacks go on the move and have success. And he's following Matthew Stafford's blueprint, or he's going to follow you know Tom Brady's blueprint. He has enough left in the tank to be able to go in there. He's going to have instant credibility when he shows up in that locker room. He's going to be the undoubted leader. He can do all these things, and he can also pull guys with him. I mean, there's talk of Aaron Rodgers leaving and Devontae Adams is like, I'm going wherever he's going, right? Like, there's guys that want to play with these iconic type of quarterbacks. So if he goes somewhere, he's going to have a greater effect, much of like Odell showing up with the Rams because he knew he was playing with Matthew Stafford. I wouldn't be shocked to see it happen, but again, some guys want to, you know, are, are throwback players, traditional guys, where he, he might just want to stay there his entire career. He has such a loyal fan base there. They've had a lot of success, and, you know, they weren't able to stay healthy. They didn't get on the same page, all that. But this division is extremely difficult, so maybe he's like, Let's go try somewhere else. Well, it, the thing is, what's behind door number two, though, if you trade Russell Wilson? Yeah. I, mean, I know there's a lot of free agent quarterbacks out there, but, you know, the grass isn't always green on the other side. And clearly they're a team that – Cardinals are the only team that has a first-round pick this year, so you probably could acquire some assets there um, and get some of the money off the books. But they, they're not prepared like the San Francisco 49ers are. They can just turn the keys over to Trey Lance. Well, much of their conversation or much of what they've done so far, MJ has been focusing on the defense. I mean, they let Ken Norton Jr. go. They've got promoted with it from within to bring in a new TC, and that was a poor defense, especially pass defense last year. Yeah, and that's where they kind of hung their hat when Legion of Boom and they were making a run and winning 12 or 13 games every year. 28th in total defense, the Seahawks in 2021. Only 18 takeaways. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be a fascinating offseason for the entire division. Now what happens with the Arizona Cardinals and the number of needs that the Cardinals have. We'll touch on that as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seat in a seat. Craig Riolu, Drew Stanton, and Mike Jarecki. We do it every Tuesday, 11 a.m. year-round, talking Arizona Cardinals football here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.
Shotgun snap. Lawrence, three-step drop. Open in the pocket. Fires across the middle. It's intercepted. It was deflected and picked off by Byron Murphy. Lawrence takes, turns, gives to Hyde. It's a flea flicker. Pitching it back to Lawrence. He's in trouble. Jump ball pass. Picked off near side by Murphy at the 30. Running it back to the left of the 20-10-5. Touchdown. Byron Murphy after a horrible mistake by the rookie with a pick six. And the Cardinals are back in front. 23-19. Byron Murphy was all over that. That's a great read by a young guy coming of age. A team high and career best. Four interceptions for Byron Murphy. Those two picks at Jacksonville. Dave Pash, Ron Wolfley with the call as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Turning our attention, MJ, to the Arizona Cardinals. We just kind of broke down the NFC West, 49ers, Seahawks, and Rams. But the Cardinals with a lot of needs, a lot of wants, a shopping list, if you will. And, yeah, I would put cornerback up there among the many different positions that the Cardinals might have their eye on in terms of free agency and the draft. Yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens in free agency and then what they don't get in free agency. Um, they normally will address in the draft, and then you have undrafted free agents. They want to retain some of their own players before these guys obviously go test the market. We're probably going to have to wait and see just based on what the market is. Yeah, cornerback, I mean, you know, when we look back, and they really didn't bring it up during the year, but it would have been nice if Malcolm Butler was around because I thought towards the second half of the season, Marco Wilson, I mean, teams are targeting him, didn't have great technique, and maybe hit that rookie wall even though they won't admit it. They miss Robert Alford. He was one of the more physical corners. Um Byron Murphy got off to a great start, but he kind of tailed off towards the end of the season. He was getting targeted. You know, Antonio Hamilton. So uh, I would think corner is is a position that you're going to have to address, not only for maybe a starter, but for some depth at that position. Defensive line, edge rusher, depending on what happens with Chandler Jones. And you look at your side of the wall, Drew, as far as another offensive weapon opposite DeAndre Hopkins, the offensive line, specifically right guard. Do you have a priority as far as what you want to see General Manager Steve Kime and his staff do as far as number one priority or the number one thing that needs to be taken care of this offseason before this team gets into training camp? Yeah, like MJ said, I think first you circle the wagons and keep the pieces that you feel like are assets moving forward. Either guys that you feel like fill a role like you for you like Colt did. I mean, a tremendous job of backing up, but then when he gets an opportunity, he wins two out of three starts. That's all you can ask for. So that was great. We talked about James Conner at nauseum about how good of a value that was. You know, you, you typically don't see guys that, you know, get overpaid to be running back, so hopefully they can find a way to keep him. And then some of the young guys that you drafted, have you seen enough growth in Chase Edmonds? Have you seen enough growth in Christian Kirk to be able to say, hey, we want to invest in you more? And it's hard because um, you're still betting on the come with both of those guys in particular, right? But you need playmakers. Everybody that we saw in the Super Bowl and the playoffs – there's those wide receiving cores because those are the mismatches because you're seeing second and third corners be put in bad situations because the depth just isn't there in this league. So you can never have enough playmakers, in my opinion, as a quarterback. So you've got to go out and try and find Deion Jerry Hopkins somebody that we saw early in the year take the heat off of him get those one-on-ones and when they do be able to recognize it and attack it uh i think a huge thing is the tight end position because max williams was doing so well of staying in the packages that this offense wants to be in so it fit that identity and, and i mean the, the 
it's the NFL in general. There's not enough offensive linemen to go around. There's not enough time to train them. There's not enough to do all of these things that you want to do as far as the offensive line is concerned, but you've got some really key pieces. Rodney Hudson is the centerpiece that we talked about numerous times. It's making the calls, it's doing that, keeping that continuity for your franchise quarterback moving forward, and as many of those things on offense is really important. And then defensively, like, Again, just addressing the areas of pass rushing because everybody wants pass rushers. You know, all of these things. But for for what we're looking at and the draft picks that we've had, those linebackers are so dynamic. They've got to step up. They've got to be able to make the plays that we need to do, and they need to be on the field. They've got to be able to either learn the defense. The defense has to get more simplistic, whatever it is, to allow these athletes to be the athletes they are because they're, I mean, what was there, five pro bowlers on the Cardinals yes. when it was all said and done? I mean, there is a, an elite level of talent at some very important positions. Now it's finding these guys that are tremendous role players because that's just veteran guys that you need to be able to step in. In other words, a lot of work is needed to be done this offseason. Here's the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. We've got a lot of work to do, and we want to be better and finish strong and all of those things. But um, we definitely improved dramatically in the first three years, and we're hoping to do the same next year. And, and we're going to have to. The NFC West is a challenge year in and year out with great players and um, great teams, and uh, we we got to make some, some real progress if we want to keep up. Keep pace within the division. Keep pace within the conference, MJ. So, yeah, there are there are a lot of needs, and we think that there's a lot of time as we talk here in February, and the season it doesn't begin until September, but things tend to happen very quickly. Yeah, and the Cardinals will currently have eight draft picks. Um, they won't have, what was it, a four and a five? Three and a four. Three and a four. I'm sorry, a four and a five. Four right. and a five, right, because they made the trade for Rodney. For Marco Wilson. Marco Wilson. Fourth, and, and then, then Zach, Ertz. Zach Ertz with a fifth round. Now, I, I do think, you know, Zach Ertz is a priority to bring back, and I think you can get Max Williams, you know, on a minimum deal with incentives, game day act, if he's active. And then as we've talked about, this draft is loaded at the tight end position so you can develop someone. So I think, you know, when Max is a perfect 11 personnel tight end, meat and potatoes, Kyler trusts him down the seam. He's a good red zone guy. He can catch on third down. And we know Zach Ertz can get open in the open field. Not the, not the best blocker, but he's very effective in the passing game. By the way, Aaron Brewer and Andy Lee are also free yeah, we need Yeah, we need to get Brewdog back for sure. And Andy, if he wants to keep playing, I mean... He was in the same draft class as Larry. Yeah, just right up the contract. He'll sign it. (laughs) Need a long snapper, need a punter. So, again, a lot to keep an eye on here, and we'll do it as well here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Special thanks to those behind the scenes, Senior Broadcast Manager and Producer Jim Omohundro, Technical Director Cody Fincher. For Drew Stanton, Mike Jarecki, I'm Greg Riolu. We'll talk to you in one week's time here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. The offseason, well, it's been underway for a while for the Cardinals, but now all 32 teams heading full speed into the offseason. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Kirk, he got it! He's in! Touchdown! Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score! Touchdown! Oh, baby! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown! Cardinals win! This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.